Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Early, early on Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb to find the body of their teacher and friend, to anoint him with spices. It was the third day since they had experienced the absolute worst day of their lives. They watched, helpless, as he died, and as their hopes and dreams appeared to die with him. It was gruesome. It was horrible. Think with me about Jesus' appearance for a moment. Do you know that the Bible says there was no physical beauty about Jesus that would make us attracted to him? He was not handsome in a traditional way. He did not have symmetrical face and high cheekbones and fair skin. He was not the kind of person who you would look at him and say, wow, that's a good-looking person. Makes me wonder why we paint such beautiful pictures of Jesus He was average looking, maybe below average, and yet you are drawn to him. People are drawn to him by the thousands and the millions because he is the most generous person they have ever met, because he has the warmest smile you have ever seen, because he is the greatest power you have ever encountered. There is an attractiveness about Jesus that goes way deeper than the skin, isn't there? It goes to the heart. Because you see, friends, the heart of Jesus is the heart of God for all people. And the heart of God for all people is filled with a desire to draw all men and women to God. And the Bible says if Jesus would be lifted up, he would draw all people to him. Well, guess what? He was lifted high and stretched wide on a cross. And the women watched, and they watched as their Savior died. But they weren't the only ones to take notice on that day. The death of the Messiah shook all of creation. The sun was so ashamed that it refused to shine. And the earth began to tremble And huge rocks split into pieces and tombs, graves all over the city opened up and dead people came to life. And the veil in the temple that separated the holy place from the rest of the worship space, it was ripped in two from top to bottom all the way down. And a soldier stood watching Jesus die and he proclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. Well, that was Friday. Saturday was the worst Sabbath of their lives. The women spent the whole day crying and mourning and grieving their loss, grieving the death of their teacher and their friend. And then early, early on Sunday morning at dawn, The women came to the tomb to perform the traditional ritual of blessing, to put spices on the body of their deceased 
loved one. But what they saw shocked them. It perplexed them. Because this stone, this giant stone that had been rolled in place to seal the tomb shut once and forever, it was rolled away. And so they went into the tomb, and they did not find his body. And instead, they found two men dressed in dazzling clothes, the Bible says. And the women were terrified. And the men, the angels, said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Brothers and sisters, I have a question for you today. And it's the same question that the angels asked the women. Why do you look for the living among the dead? God is doing a new thing today, brothers and sisters. And if you have a hard time believing that, then remember this is exactly what the Lord promised would happen. God is doing a new thing. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God's doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. This is what the Lord said to his people through the prophet Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 5. The Lord said, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed because I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe even if you were told. Do you dare to believe in a God who can do something like that? Do you dare to believe in a God who can do something so good and so beautiful and so wonderful and transformative that you would have a hard time even accepting its reality? God said it was going to happen. God said it was going to happen, and yet sometimes we struggle to believe, don't we? Let's be honest. We have doubt. We have reservations, we have hesitations, and why is that? I think it's because we look for the living among the dead. Jesus was not where the women expected him to be. They expected to find his dead body laying in the grave, but he's not here. He's risen. So let me ask you, friends, are you looking in the right place? Are you looking in the right place for the new thing that God is doing? Or are you seeking the Lord through your lenses of nostalgia and sentimentalism? Are you looking for him as you nurse your wounds and rehearse the slights that were done against you and secretly plan your revenge against each person so that they'll get what's coming to them? Because I'm telling you today, you will not find the Lord in that place. You will not find him there. Why do you look for the living among the dead? God is doing a new thing, and the faith to believe that happens on Easter, friends. The faith to believe that God is doing a new thing is provided by the resurrection of the Lord, who says, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you my power over sin and death. The resurrection is what gives us courage to believe. The resurrection is what fuels our faith. And I want you to understand today, resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Do you understand? (laughs) 
The resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. Whatever terrible thing it is that you are going through, whatever terrible thing it is that you've been through, whatever terrible thing it is that someone you love is facing, this is the good news, my friends. Resurrection means the worst thing is never the last thing. There's a poet named Oscar Wilde. He used to say, everything turns out okay in the end. So if it's not okay, it's not the end. Right? We know this, friends. Have you read the end of the book? Do you know how it turns out? Spoiler alert, God wins. There is a new heaven and a new earth. God is making all things new. Notice, not all new things. He's not like getting rid of you and starting over. He's starting with you and remaking you and remaking this world that God has made. But in order to experience the future that God has for you, friends, you cannot dwell on the past. The prophet Isaiah put it like this. The Lord said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, the Lord said, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things, which I think doesn't literally mean forget it like you can't remember it. I think it means forget it like quit dwelling on it. Quit focusing on the past. The reason I think that is because the Bible is consistently telling us to remember, right? The Bible says, remember the faithfulness of your God. And I want you this morning to remember the ways God has been faithful to you. Think back in your life to the ways God has shown up when you needed God most. But here's the temptation we all face. This is the unique human experience, I think, is we're told to think back, but we're tempted to actually go back, right? Can I just go back? Can I just get in the time machine and like go back to the glory days, you know, back when everything was perfect, back when I didn't have so many problems? If I could just go back, if I could just go back. Isaiah says, no, don't dwell in the past. Forget the former things. Imagine the way your Italian uncle would say it. Forget about it. Like that, right? Forget about it. Right? Which means like quit dwelling on it. Let it go. Let it go. Why? Because God is doing a new thing. And it's springing up all around you. And I wonder, do you perceive it? Do you see it, friends? Do you hear it? God is doing a new thing in your life. God is doing a new thing in your relationships. God is doing a new thing in your family, in your home, in your work, in your retirement. God is doing a new thing. You see, the question is not whether God is moving. God's moving, friends. The question is, do you perceive it? Do you have eyes to see and ears to hear the new thing that God is doing? Do you know why the stone was rolled away? Do you know why the angel rolled away the stone that sealed shut the tomb of our Savior Jesus? I'll give you a hint. It was not so that Jesus could come out. Right? <laughs> Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't need the help of soldiers or angels to move a little rock. Right? He's, he's the one who made the rock. 
right? He's the one who made you, right? So the stone is not rolled away so that Jesus can come out. The stone is rolled away so that you may go in, so that you may look into the tomb and see that God's promises are true, that God keeps his word, and that God has a power over sin and death that is now made available through Jesus to you. And you can access it today. You can receive it. You can receive it. God has big plans for your life, friends. And it starts today with the confidence that the story of Jesus Christ is true that you can live with confidence for yourself and for all the people around you to say, without a shadow of a doubt, he's not here. He's risen. Which means neither is Jesus trapped in the tomb, nor are you trapped in the tomb. You're set free today. God has big plans for your life. And while they may start in the tomb, they do not finish in the tomb. Hello? The rest of your life may start in the darkness, but it ends in the light. The rest of your life may start in brokenness, but it ends in healing and wholeness. The rest of your life may start in sin and in death, but it ends in resurrection, brothers and sisters. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing today. Now, I know the pushback on this. Some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, but you don't realize what I've been through. You don't know what I've been through, Pastor. Uh, and you think maybe some of you have a life situation or, or some struggle or some suffering that kind of trumps all of this that I'm telling you here today and that maybe I don't understand. And that is possible. Maybe I, I do and maybe I don't. Um, here's the thing I want you to get about uh, the ministry here. When people call the church... They don't usually call to, like, give a report on how great life is, right? Like, hey, pastor, just want you to know, I read my Bible this morning. You know, I ate my Wheaties, and um, my kids are incredibly respectful today. They've done all their chores. I didn't even have to ask them. Um, and they're also honoring you know, their father and mother and their grandparents. Um, and I, I'm getting ice cream for them this afternoon, and um, I made all the green lights on Timberlake Road and just <laughs> wanted you to know that. Right? Nobody calls the church to tell us that. And please understand, I'm not asking for those phone calls. Like, you don't need to call it. My point is, um, when people call, it's usually because something is bad or really bad. And I'm so proud that you trust the church and you trust the pastors of this church to walk with you through some of the most difficult experiences of your life. So I want you to know the church understands that. The church understands what it's like to go through that. You see, the church is like the fire department, right? When your house is on fire and everybody's running out, who's running in? Firefighters are running in. Well, everybody else is running out. And the church is like that, see? When everyone else is deserting you in the most critical moment of your life, that's when the church steps in to walk with you and to love you and to bless you. And I'll be honest, the church isn't perfect, so sometimes the church falls down. But you know who's always with you is the Lord. So even when I don't get it, or even when your brothers and sisters don't get it, the Lord always gets it. And that is what the cross is about, friends, that Jesus suffers for you and Jesus suffers with you. And the story of Easter Sunday is that he has overcome all of that once and for all. 
so that you can have confidence in him. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And I wonder, are you willing to go with him on this adventure? Are you willing to embrace the new thing that God is doing? There's this story in the Bible where Jesus meets a man who's been sick his whole life. And it, it, it's set up like, okay, here's a healing story, right? And you kind of, after you read a few of the healing stories, you start to get a feel, okay, I know what's about to happen. You know, Jesus is going to heal this man. He's been sick, and he has this encounter with, with Jesus Christ. But something interesting happens, But because before Jesus heals him, Jesus asks him a question. You know what the question is? He says, do you want to be healed? And we say, what? Are you kidding me, Lord? Of course. I mean, isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious that we want to be healed? But hang on. <laughs> Time out. Before you answer the question, I want you to consider what is required from you in a fresh start. And it doesn't really matter whether your need for healing is physical or your need for healing is spiritual. Either way, God intends to change your life. Healing means change. It means transformation. So ask yourself and ask the Lord, is this really what I want? Do I really want my life to be different? Because healing requires letting go of the old and embracing the new. It requires that we no longer wallow in our pain. It requires that we no longer surround ourselves with our comfortable discomfort that we've always known. It takes change. And it takes letting Jesus be the Lord of your life so that he is in charge and you are not. It's hard, friends. It's hard. It's the most beautiful thing ever and maybe the hardest thing you will ever do is say yes to Jesus. Do you know when God delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, it wasn't but a few days and they were on their way to the promised land and the people begged Moses to take them back to Egypt. Do you know that story? And Moses was like, yo, we were slaves. Are you kidding me? And they were like, yeah, but at least we had meat to eat. At least it was predictable. Oh, how we fall in love with the familiar and the predictable, don't we, brothers and sisters? We love our routines. We love to call the shots. We love to be in charge. We love to be in control of our lives. And so Jesus asks us this incredibly countercultural thing to let go, to surrender, to accept the new thing that God is doing, friends, is to let go, to let Jesus take the wheel, to fall headlong into a future that you have neither arranged nor approved. It has been created for you, but I'm suggesting to you today it's better than anything you could have thought of yourself. You ever had that experience? where you needed God's intervention in your life and you prayed for some relief, you prayed for some difference, and the thing that God did in your life was better than anything you'd even asked for or thought of? That's because God is smarter than you. That's because God is more loving than you. That's because God is wiser than you. Praise God, isn't that good? Isn't that good? God is doing a new thing, brothers and sisters. 
God is doing a new thing, and something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen in your life. Something's about to happen in your ministry. Something's about to happen in your family. Something's about to happen in your household. Something's about to happen in your work. Something's about to happen in your retirement. Something's about to happen in your friendships. Something's about to happen in your soul. Something's about to happen in your church. Something's about to happen in this world, brothers and sisters. God is doing a new thing. So let me ask you, why do you look for the living among the dead? And we say, oh, but Lord, doesn't doesn't resurrection uh, happen in a cemetery? And the Lord says, yes, my child, it absolutely does. But it doesn't stop there. And it doesn't stay there. The new life that God is bringing is moving out into the world, friends. The Lord will not stop and stay in the place of death and destruction. The Lord is moving. God is doing a new thing. And I wonder, do you perceive it? The tomb is a witness. The empty tomb is a witness to say to you and to me and to the whole world, never again. Never again will sin or death overtake us. But the Lord has conquered them. They may have won in previous battles, but God is winning the war, brothers and sisters. And never again do you have to go back to that place of death and of sin and of corruption because today in Christ you are free. God's doing a new thing. Let God's people say amen. Amen. Amen.